Hi friends, welcome to the Low Fidelity Podcast. I'm your host, Rizwan Javed. My guest today is Shujat Sayed, a designer based in Toronto. Shujat specializes in branding, creative direction, and digital design. Currently, he works as a visual designer at Coinbase and is the founder of Supersession, a design mentorship program. Shujat noticed very few opportunities to help out designers from underrepresented groups, so he created a mentorship program to help them level up their skills so they can be successful in their career. It's a great story with lots of lessons for us all, so stay tuned for the details. Thank you for joining me today, Shujat. Uh, hi, Rizwan. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here. Um, I guess I'll get started by saying a little bit more about myself. So uh, as you've already introduced me, my name is Shujat and I am a designer based in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I specialize in branding, uh, creative direction and digital, uh, digital design. I currently work as a designer at Coinbase. I very, I very recently started there a month ago. So still, still early on in my, you know, my tech career, so to speak. Uh, before that, I was working at branding studios uh, and things like that. Um, I'm also a co-founder of a of an electronic product company called Hitoto, and I also session, which is a design mentorship. Nice, yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, we'll definitely dig into more session program that you've started. Um, can you? Talk about how you came into into the did you your career start. Uh, that's a very interesting question. So I'm going to go a little bit back uh, before career aspirations. Uh, sure. You know, growing up, I was always uh, I was a creative kid, right? Uh, always like doodling in class, in kindergarten, and things like that. Um, and that just kind of carried with me as I got a little bit older. I remember uh, when I was in grade four, I got really interested in, in computers and how they worked. So I began tinkering a lot with computers. I discovered a lot of like digital art tools. Uh, you know, I got a copy of Photoshop somehow, right? Like we all did. But uh, I was fairly early on to know how what those means would be. But, you know, I still somehow figured it out because I was always kind of nerdy. Uh, but, you know, I that kind of just led me to this path of, of just exploring and trying different hats, so to speak. So I got into like 3D modeling, uh, 3D art. And then from there, I was like, this is really tough. So I tried going to Photoshop and I was like, it's so much easier to make something that looks nice. And then from there, I even got into like visual effects and video, right? So it, it just kept like I, I just if I got bored of something, I would just try like the, what the next step would be, right? Um, and eventually, like I just realized that you know, like this is the kind of space that was like that was going to be the only path forward for me. So when I was in high school, later in high school, I applied to design programs, um, just because it seemed like the most feasible for me. Or, uh, and yeah, th th that's how I, I, I would say I got started. And then, you know, when you're in design school, that pathway to career is uh, very traditional, right? You go, you go through school, you pick up a few internships along the way, and then eventually after you graduate, you find work. Um, what was interesting for me was that, you know, I had, I think, 
two or three internships under my belt before I graduated. And I thought that, you know, getting hired as a junior full-timer designer would be an easy thing based on that experience. But it wasn't, right? I, I went through like nine months of like applying to jobs, right? I only managed to get two interviews. Oh, wow. And I didn't know what was going wrong. I was, like, was I just a terrible designer? I mean, yes, that could have been the reason, but something wasn't adding up in my eyes, right? So it became like an eye-opening moment where I was like, hey, is this industry even right for me, right? If, I, if I'm somebody who's like, you know, who's always been this kind of creative kid, who's always practiced and now having trouble, like what's, what's the deal here, right? So it was like this like life-reflecting moment for me. Uh, eventually, like I had two options, which it was like, okay, I can try a different career path at this point, which I didn't want to do. Yeah. Or I could like, you know, come face to face with the fact that, hey, I might not be as good as I thought I was, right? Uh, so I was like, okay, maybe it's time to pick up another internship. And this time I can be really selective of where I actually want to work and learn from, right? So there was this Toronto design studio called Concrete. And that is where I applied because, you know, I love their work. And if there was any place I wanted to work under and learn from, right, uh, that would be the place, right? So I applied there. I interviewed with the design director and creative director and, you know, a week or two later, they kind of sent me an offer letter to join them as an intern, right? And yeah, and I would say from that's where like my actual design career started. Uh, before that, it was just me playing around even in school for the most part. Nice. And just for the record, I had a official Photoshop. Uh, I had the official software. I never downloaded the. <laughs> the All right. Yeah. Version. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, that's uh, really interesting that you, you know, you tried out different things and, you know, you struggled, you know, because a lot, a lot of times people think that, you know, if you're going through the design school, you have everything figured out, you know, your path is going to be well-defined and rosy. And, you know, by the time you get out, you'll have a job. And so it's good to hear that, you know, what the real experiences for designers as they go through that path because a lot a lot of designers don't go through that path they go they learn on the job or they've they you know um, they move in from other fields and so they don't have that reference point or um, knowledge of you know what it takes to get through design school and and get a job uh, at the end and so everything isn't a given you still have to um, work hard struggle and you know overcome some of the challenges that you face um, whether they're internal or they're you know external to you and mm -hmm. um, you still have there's still a growth process that happens as you go through that yeah for sure uh, one interesting thing that actually I kind of discovered throughout, you know, the, like the nine month period where I was like, applying and not getting anything back yeah. was any, the only people I heard back from were people I knew who saw my portfolio and resume, right? And, and by that, I mean, like, you know, every process, every hiring process now is like automated. So you don't know if your portfolio or resume will get flagged by the system, right? And that's very important, 
uh, if you know you've got the skills to work at some place and you know they're hiring, it's very important to like directly speak to a designer who works there who yeah. can then like, you know, pass your resume off or just kind of go through that process of like, you know, that is automated and you don't know if your name or your resume will get flagged. It's just, yeah. it's just a lot of like, you know, you have to like gear everything towards this. It's like man versus the machine in a way, right? It's like, you don't know who's going to win out because you don't know what the actual things they're like looking for, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's just an interesting thing. If you, th- if you think you have the skills and you just put, try to get your work in front of an actual designer. I think that's really important. Yeah, so reaching try reaching out to the the people who work there, designers, you know, trying to you know build a relationship there, mm-hmm. and you know, being creative and how you c- can do that, you know, whether it's through LinkedIn or you know meetups or you know wherever you you know designers hang out, you know, try to. So um, you you were talking about that nine month uh, period where you didn't up, what were some so, that, that time period? Uh, I mean, a lot of the challenges were internal, right? It's about like, you're questioning your self-worth, uh, all of that stuff that happens. I redesigned my portfolio a few times, started polishing up my projects, right? Yeah. But it, it, it's also like, you know, what, what you kind of see, and that's one of the reasons I started Super Session actually is, um, Design is in a is headed in a strange way where like we are supposed to be the most creative industry, yeah. right? Or one of the most creative industries. Then why does every designer's portfolio website look the exact same as the other designer, right? It's like what and and it's just like that's the thing, right? Everything's optimized for a specific hiring manager or like or a recruiter, and yeah, and it's like you know and maybe it's my own like i guess personal morals in a way where i was like i don't want to be like that right and so i maybe went against the grain because i felt like i could offer like a unique perspective on things yeah. uh but but that's also very important it's important to like stay true to like what your values as a designer uh, are i think one of the most important tools a designer has is their own point of view on things um and that comes through you know branding decisions that comes through product decisions right and so a lot of times people you know designers know what they like but they don't they're not able to express that you know i don't know if you've ex- experienced that with within the the entered um is they know what they want but they or they know how to design but they don't know how to express that process uh th- that's very interesting uh so in, in my super session cohort um I had three uh, three students, right? One of them was someone who had no knowledge of design, right? They came from a anthropology background. Okay. Uh, and then one student came from a UX bootcamp background, yeah. right? And a third one was a design student uh, at a university here in Toronto, right? Um, the one who was who came from the UX side of things or the UX bootcamp side of things. I think they had the hardest time knowing, uh, you know, how to properly express the idea they had because they were too fixated on the things they learned from the UX bootcamp, right? 
and uh, it, they were taking a very prescription-based approach to designing, right? And that can work for some things, and it, I'm not going to fault anybody for going that way, but I think for the specific thing we were trying to build and for his growth, it was important for him to, you know, to relearn design from a more experiential point of view, where when you're designing something, what is the core essence of it rather than like, you know, trying to solve this global problem, right? It's like, let's let's go back to the basics a little bit. For the other students, they had a much stronger idea of what they were, right? For the one who was in the anthropology side of things, they were basing their project off a thesis they had done, right? So they had all the necessary information. Uh, The the issue or the problem that we faced was like, how do we visually showcase this, right? Uh, And like, so we can respect both the kind of like, you know, this very literal part of the design process, uh, which, oh, sorry, the research process that they went through, like it was very academic, as well as, you know, how to make it approachable, right? Because you're mixing those two worlds. For the design student, it was, um, you know, uh, uh, a lot of her questions were based on like the actual craft, right? How do, uh, like, uh, for, like, for the student who went to the UX boot camp, I had to be like, okay, forget about all the other stuff. What do you want this app to do, right? Yeah. Like, like, forget about like adding leaderboards. Forget about adding all this other like, you know, like what what is that you want to do? Yeah. Right? And then he told me, okay, let's just do that. Let's not worry about you know, uh, trying to make this appeal to like sure. a hiring manager or like a recruiter with like a lot of like notes. Let's try to like distill this down a little bit more. Um, yeah. Yeah, not not uh, don't don't show what you think they want to see. Show what you want to show, or what you feel passionate about yeah. showing. Yeah, and there's often people say, "Oh, you should never design for yourself." Yeah, right? and yeah, that's that's true. Uh, but because he was still a student and learning, I think it's important for him to like, you know, learn design through designing for himself, like, you know, learn, like, pick up some of the fundamentals that, uh, that were, you know, that, that are often lacking for the first time designer, right, which yeah. are very, like, you know, uh, oh, line, making sure your line spacing is correct, right, like, before focusing on, like, saving the world, let's see if you can nail down, like, you know, uh, the visual aesthetic side of things, the layout side of things, the micro interaction side of things, uh, which is very important for somebody who's trying to be a product designer, right? Yeah, your global world-solving problems are very important, and <laughs> but you should never let the craft suffer for it. I think, at least, at least that's what I think. Yeah, because when you do share your your designs, people pick up on those foundational things and they get hooked on those and instead of. Uh, realizing what you're trying to solve they get fixated on maybe alignment or you know like line spacing or color selection and you know those things because they're visual they that's what they first see and then it's kind of hard to unsee all of that and then re re align them on your vision mm-hmm. when when those foundational things aren't in place yeah like you don't want them to question why your nav bar looks yeah. unbalanced, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. you, then they're then 
you don't want them to give us give anything to critique other than the grander idea itself yeah right or or you want them to think about it more intimately where they're like hey like what if you try to add this to it as well right so they're asking like uh, they're they're engaged in the conversation with like how to imp- like you know uh, yeah nice uh, any advice on how to any any things that you would suggest on how to approach that so that's that's a really good question right so and, and this is something that i had to kind of like look back at what i used to do right when i was going through super session and i was like oh how do i get uh this student to like you know be mindful about their layout and spacing and all those things right you could have like a crash course on them to like do these things yeah but they won't necessarily know how to do them unless they do them themselves yeah right and i was having trouble like how do i get this to kind of you know how do i get how do i get them to like figure out like type relationship and those sorts of things until i was like oh what what would i do in this case and i was like okay what i would do is i would go to an apple website right one of their product pages and just like recreate it exactly right and see how they broke things down because you can learn by deconstructing yeah. right so i would say take a really polished web page and rebuild it but rebuild it mindfully right let's like look at why they're kind of uh you know uh uh why is there like a 60 pixel space between the headline and then the body copy that follows it yeah right and then you kind of and then see why it's always being reflected yeah right so see if you can break down the system they use right and that can kind of like help uh help you understand how to like you know approach this later right everybody every early designer whether we admit to or not yeah we just copied the things we saw and i think um that's so that's that's often not what we talk about anymore because we're so past doing that but then like like I I'm not going to do that now right because like yeah. I I know how to like you know approach things in my own way but it was very important for me when I was starting out yeah right when I was in school or when I was like in high school I think right I would I would see what thing what was being done and I would try to like uh, about um you uh the students in your um, uh they were from different uh, they had different backgrounds affected those or or why yeah for sure so um i had an op- open application process so anybody could apply and uh there were only a few fields people needed to fill out like you know what their experience with the design was like whether or not they're a paid designer already yeah right because those people would be like considered last Sure. or would be on the bottom of like my my list of cho- choosing people because you know they've already somebody who's established. Yeah. And then I also had you know like what their idea would be, right? And that was just to kind of like get a sense of who they were. Uh and within the th- three applicants I chose, right? And they all kind of got in for different reasons, right? So the one who was from the anthropology background, uh she had a really awesome uh like proposal right of what she wanted to do right and what was also very important was that she dm me through like that super session account yeah. asking like you know questions about it so it's like oh i immediately know this person's interested yeah right because they're engaging in that conversation yeah uh the one from the ux background uh even though they didn't have the strongest pitch right they had a portfolio link okay and when i went on that portfolio link i could look at their uh 
portfolio and see that this is somebody who I could really help, actually help out. So that was also important. Like if there were somebody who were like really strong visually, yeah. it's like, I can't really do much. Right? They're already on their way. Yeah. Uh, but also I was able to learn that they've only been learning design through like a UX bootcamp. Mm. Right. Yeah. And to me, that shows somebody who has a lot of initiative. Yeah. Right. They are somebody who, you know, that they're, they're out of high school and they were working someplace and then they decided to like pick on a new skill. And that shows initiative, right? And for a program like this, it's important that somebody's going to stick it through to the end. Yeah, definitely. Right? So I was like able to like determine like, oh, this person really wants to learn and they would be the perfect fit for this, right? Um, and then the last student I had was somebody who I actually spoke to previously for like a portfolio interview, right? And just from like having that prior like knowledge of them, Right. Again, it's like I'm able to determine whether or not I could help the student a lot. Right. Which I thought I could, but also I knew they could stick it to the end. Yeah. Right. And I think those things were very important. And I was able to determine like that first student, the one with the anthropology background. Yeah. I knew she was, she would be able to stick it to the end because she engaged early, but also she was basing the project off her own research. Right. So there's all. Um, can you talk about how you came up with the idea? Like, um, like, what was the spark that uh, got you got this program going? Um, uh, it, creating supersession was actually a response to a lot of how uh, how I was seeing design mentorship being conducted. Right? It was. I felt like it was less about you know creating a strong designer who fundamentally knows their craft and and is able to like challenge decisions, but more so based on like career growth, right? And that's totally fine. Uh, That's, I think that's very important, but in order for us to create like a more diverse design industry, you have to make sure you're giving people who are unrepresented the skills they need to like even get to that level where they can talk about, you know, career growth, right? Um, and if you're someone who's, let's say you're like a senior designer or just a designer at like a, like a fan company, for example, right. And you're mentoring to students who are students who have had, who have had internships from other fangs places. Yeah. Right. To me, that's like, you're not, that's not, that's not hard. That's very easy because you already know they have the skills, right? So what do you talk about, right? Like what you just talk about, like, how do you, how do you negotiate a better salary? Like, come on, right? Like, so it was very much a response to that, right? I was like, okay, I want to teach people how to become better designers. And I want to get people who will, will probably won't have those opportunities to like ever intern at a fan company, right? Because you're looking at like the top five percentile of designers there, right? Uh, and I'm trying to see if I can even get people in the industry. Uh, and I want to grow people who can compete with those students, right? Which is very hard. Uh, but it's important work that needs to be done. Yeah. No, uh, so I started because of that. And then I also looked at, you know, some of like... Uh, like design mentorship programs that are out there, right? And 
like there's this one called on deck which is like uh a really good program for you know like senior designers who are or design leadership right uh but because of that it's also like very costly right it's like coaching it's like i think three thousand dollars uh at minimum right so it's quite expensive and and i'm thinking like is there is there an accessible way for people to kind of like learn design through that coaching method which is a geared towards you know early stage or design students uh but also affordable right um because that's the greatest thing right like yeah for people who are in senior designers at tech they can afford that thousand dollars very easily exactly right uh but for somebody who's a student right or somebody who's not in a not 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 in a tech background right that that is like a month's pay right uh so yeah and that was that that and that was one of like the reasons i made this like a free program right and then outside of that i also wanted to give students some funding right so each student had like $300 of like uh like a funding pool they could use like but if if they want to like buy a typeface or buy a specific tool to help with their project they could nice right yeah it's, it's the people who are listening or don't improve their um their um their lives by coming into ux design because they have a, a passion for it but they just don't have the means you know to take time off or you know to join a boot camp or you know everybody there's different situations but those are the people who really need the help and you know bring them into the design design industry to make it more inclusive and uh, diverse um what are your thoughts on the design industry is do you, do you feel like it's becoming more diverse and um and inclusive um i mean i think there's steps being taken obviously i think that that much is the case uh i think it's it, it depends on where you kind of go right like i think the branding space right now is still very uh like not diverse you won't find that many like south asians or like arabs or even uh black people there right it's, you're just not going to see it yeah uh within the tech space you're starting to see a little bit more of that which i think is good um but but again i think i think when i think of diversity there's like two two approaches to it right um there's racial diversity and then there's also economic diversity right and we focus a lot on racial diversity but i think if you are somebody who is you know a racial minority but you also don't have the income to study design or to go to a fancy design school right right you're kind of shit out of luck right for the most part so i think that's also important to kind of really put into uh consideration like when you see uh designers you see what what their education background is see like you can you can kind of determine whether or not like they went to a really good school which to me also kind of showcases that they had some economic uh 
freedom to like go to these places right um that's not always the case people get in through scholarships yeah but to me it's like like i worked retail for like you know uh i used to work at a grocery store for three years yeah right so to me like i think about people like that right and for them to get into the design industry what does that take yeah right and that's it's not inclusive based on that at all right um yeah i mean like like i'm very much like kind of working class person who like you know spends his day at a grocery store right working what what's their path to getting into design after get into the field um can you talk about some of the ways that you grew personally as you went through this program uh for sure so there's a lot of things i learned uh you know while running super session uh one was that it helped me a lot in learning how to work on multiple projects at, at once right because i was while i was running super session i was also like <laughs> busy with my day job right sure. uh so i was managing projects there but also managing projects that my students were working on right uh and that and it was interesting because i had a different relationship with each right uh during my day job i was very much the student right <laughs> uh but uh during super session i acted more of like a senior or like like a cr- almost like a creative director role right where like we where i shared responsibilities with the student on how to like best guide the project because that's also very important right it's like uh they want to make their project, but at the same time, they want to make sure it's a successful one, Yeah. right? And that's where that senior element comes into play. So me and the student was a very like highly collaborative process. Yeah. Uh, but again, they relied a lot on me to like you know guide how that project would uh, go, right? So we both we both had a strong say on how to move move it forward, but there was a lot of discussions on what's the right decision we should make going forward, right? Nice. Um, it also helped a lot in terms of like, in, in how I teach as well, Okay. right? So, you know, uh, thinking about the areas where I feel my students would need the most help in, right? And kind of like gear, guiding the project in a way so we hit those specific weaknesses mm. rather than like avoiding them, yeah. which I think is important, right? If you lean into the things they're already good at, right then they're not gonna learn they're gonna be on autopilot and i didn't want that uh so you know trying to make everything almost like a learning opportunity right uh uh, for example even early on in the process like most projects went through like a mood boarding process uh even learning how to mood board is a (laughs) is a skill right and uh one thing that my students learned a lot was like i they actually like pointed it out to me it's like i never knew mood boarding was like you know when you take an image from the from the internet what is it that you ex- exactly trying to pull from it sure right is it the color scheme is it the shape language right like what is the exact thing that we can like take from this thing right and like and like you know sh- remix it to our design so to speak but yeah it was uh it was really interesting and like you know that some of them were just re-examining the fundamentals they already knew. I had a question. Um, so were there areas, as you were uh, mentoring the students, were there areas where you felt like like 
you needed to become more stronger in certain areas to be able to convey that to your students? Yeah, for sure, right? Like, because I'm, I was still fairly early on in my career, yeah. right? And it's, and a lot of it was, so what was interesting about, is interesting about Super Session is that, you know, uh, we have, it's broken, each session is almost like broken into like two parts. One where we kind of like talk about the design, talk about how they're feeling, like they're kind of like, uh, like what they're looking out of the design industry, all these kinds of things. But then there's also, you know, we're going to jump in on Figma and collaborate on this together. Okay. Right. Uh, but the first part is where like a lot of the interesting questions pop up where sometimes I don't have the answer to, sure. right. If like one of my design students, she was, uh, she was feeling that, you know, like, I don't know if this is the space I want it to be in. Right. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Right. Like, how do I, so I had a conversation about it. With her, right? I was like, Hey, design offers a lot more than, you know, than what you're specifically doing at the current time. Right. Because she was, she had an internship that she was going through and she, it was kind of like draining her passion for it. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. So when, when you get these sorts of questions and it's like a junior looking at, you know, somebody like me and yeah. it's like, <laughs> I don't have the answers for this. Right. So knowing when I don't know things is very important. Sure. So I was able to like call on one of my contacts that I, uh, that, you know, I became acquainted to through like, you know, social media. Yeah. Uh, his name is Nick and he's a creative director at service now. Okay. And I was able to ask him to do like a 30 minute presentation on, you know, on what his day to day like is as a creative director and how he manages teams. Right. And when he was there, he kind of gave his presentation uh, because he's like the, a few levels above me in terms of, like he's leading teams. Right. And he was also able to answer a lot of questions that my students had. And what was really interesting is that now my students had him as a contact. So that same student reached out to him on LinkedIn to like, you know, ask a few things, right? Um, and what was, what was really awesome, I had a conversation with her uh, just this Thursday, right? So just this week. Uh, and she kind of like me mentioned to me that, you know, like she's actually feels really passionate about design again. And I was like, and I was like, hey, did Super Session have something to do with it? And she's like, yeah, it actually did because, you know, it, it, it allowed her to like, it was a, pro she worked on a project that allowed her to like express herself mm. in a really fun way, but yeah. also learn a lot, which I think it's really important for, especially like younger talent, like, you know, like how do you get them to actually be passionate about the thing they want to do is like, don't make them work horses right off the bat, right? Sure. <laughs> give them, a, give them an opportunity to like, you know, explore the things they want to do, right? And then guide them in that exploration, right? So they're making the right decisions, but also like learning. Yeah, that's key. Yeah, so, so you completed the first cohort. Uh, are, they, are you starting another one or taking a break? So I'm, so that's, so, so, so sorry for <laughs> getting around the question a little bit. Yeah, no worries. Uh, but, the first cohort, uh, like the first time I ran Super Session, it actually took a lot out of me. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you know, three students each session would at minimum be two hours. Oh wow. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's 
the amount of work that I was putting into this. And that's on top of like, you know, my demanding job already yeah. and whatever other side project I wanted to do. Right. New job, brand new job too. So yeah. 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 So like, <laughs> And since I just started a new job, it's like it's not right for me to start something like this. Yeah. Uh, because I'm still trying to like figure out my work schedule as sure. of now. Sure. Uh, but then also like I want to make sure like is there what what are lessons that I learned from here that I could like you know maybe there's like a different version of super session that is born out of this right until like yeah. the next proper mentorship begins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm toying yeah. around with those ideas a little bit. Uh, because yeah, that mentorship program is is pretty intense and takes a lot out of me. Yeah. And also, it, it is like you know, it, it is free. It is non funded, right? Sure. If anything, I end up losing money on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh. So. So yeah, looking at like ways to make it sustainable for me, on like uh, like a workload perspective, but also like a financial yeah. perspective. Like, That's how does cool. it all kind of work out? So there's a lot of questions that are there for me yeah but it, it is definitely something that i still want to continue because i do think it's probably the most important thing i've done so far yeah uh, in, in my career right <laughs> even though it's like this small thing i started because i was just i don't know fed up by so yeah. much of what was happening in the design world and i was like oh, yeah. i'm angry so in two <laughs> days i put up this entire application process the website nice. and i just started it right there and then so yeah, no, I mean, it's you're doing a great service for the community and helping people change their lives. You know, I mean, this is like real impact that, you know, we all dream to have is an impact, making an impact in the in this world. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a, you could say it's a good problem to have because you've already proved that it works. And just now you need to figure out how to make it sustainable, you know, whether it's a, online course where you're, you know, you're not devoting too much time of yourself, but, you know, and maybe it's in spurts or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you also have to survive and, you know, make, make a living and, and do good at your jo day job. So. <laughs> and, and one of the reasons I started Super Session as well was like to test out this concept of whether or not a designer who's, you know, a few years into their career could just have, like, could just be a mentor to somebody who's, like, in school or just getting into it, right? And, like, this strong one-on-one -on -one coaching to see if it is possible, sure. right? And I think it is, yeah. right? If I can do three students on top of my day job, people can do one student that they meet with once a week, right? I, I think that's... Uh, I mean, obviously, like, would people want to do it for free? I mean, that's 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 something they would want. They have to put their own, like, uh, I, I don't know, like, their whatever their mindset towards, like, education is towards there. But, like, to me, I believe, like, you know, like, there is there is a world where, like, every designer has someone who works under them. Because I, I often think about, you know, we, we kind of, like, uh, really, if we think about like how talent, like you know, like they're like during the Renaissance period, you have like Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci. They didn't come out of the womb sure. sculpting like crazy, right? Yeah. The the processes they were like ten or twelve years old, and they went to work under a master, yeah. right? So can we bring that type of mentality back into the design 
or yeah. back or just into the design industry yeah right and that could create a really strong design talent that's Definitely. yeah that you know like propels the world in an interesting way because yeah like uh it's yeah just uh, just funny like, yeah why, um, why don't we do this right but yeah yeah i mean that's a really powerful way to make change and you know and i'm sure there's a lot of designers out there who want to grow as uh, you know as designers so you know mentoring some another junior designer is a way to you know sharpen their skills as well and you know whether it's communication or how do you how do you um guide junior designers and you know grow into a stronger designer yourself so i'm sure there's there are people out there who would like that opportunity as well and so yeah it's finding people who are passionate about that and and bring them into a system that is you know proven to be working and so i think it's pretty exciting to see what you've started and uh, we'd love to continue seeing it evolve and grow because it's because you're you're making a real impact and that's a lot of people just need that chance and because they don't have money they don't have a you know background that or that they don't have people they can uh, fall you know, who can support them in their careers so uh, these types of options uh, yeah that's exactly correct um I would also say if you're somebody who's looking to start mentoring somebody who's who's interested in design, uh, one thing that can really kind of help you out to make sure like you know your efforts aren't wasted, yeah, is to determine whether or not the person you want to mentor is is serious about this, right? Uh, because something like this isn't something that is done in a week. Yeah, it takes a few months, right? And that is something that both of you have to be into. And I've heard of stories where, uh, where just like so, where a student they're coaching just turns out like they don't actually like design that much, and they were just kind of like you know doing it as a hobby, right? And that's totally okay. Uh, but you know when you're choosing somebody, just make sure they're somebody who really cares about this, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, and try to build a strong relationship with them throughout the process because they are going to be leaning on you for more than just design, right? Uh, they're going to be talking to you about really, uh, really emotional, like, career decisions that they might have to make. Yeah. As well as, like, you know, uh, just conversations about payment and equity, right? I, I had a really tough conversation with one of my students about, you know, whether they should apply as a position uh, whether they should apply to like an intermediate design position, right? And I had to like tell them like, hey, right? You really have to like judge your skills and see whether you're the right fit for this role, right? Yeah, you're gonna have to have hard conversations with people and just like making sure that you're honest. Yeah. But also, you want to not be mean about it, yeah. right? Uh, because the last thing you want to do is like break somebody's spirit down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that takes tact and, you know, and experience of, you know, or an intention to help instead of, you know, talk down or, you know, have a different sort of relationship. So it's really important to have a good relationships to start off. So maybe even spending a little bit of time 
before deciding on doing the mentoring uh, sessions to have the rapport and see if you gel. And, And that's exactly what I did with my applicants as well. So before I chose my final three, I interviewed eight. Right. Okay. And they were long interviews. Some of them went on for like two hours because the conversation was so engaging. Right. Uh, and and yeah, just yeah, throwing that, that out there as well. Right. Yeah. Any thoughts on how you can find people or how do you send mentoring? Um, do you like, just go through your network or is there a way to tell the world that you're <laughs> that you're looking for mentor mentoring opportunities? Oh, like if you want to be a teacher or a mentor? Yeah, yeah, if you want uh, okay. to be a teacher. So this is is incredibly easy, right? So if you're a designer today working, yeah. there's a good chance you have a social media page yeah. that is, at least has a good amount of followers. Sure. Right? Like if you have more than 500, you're in the clear, right? So because I started this entire thing within the span of two days, right? So what I did was I made a website portal where people could apply and what this program was about, okay. right? Uh, and then I just shared it on my Instagram page. Hey, like I'm mentoring design students, apply here. or And then people will share it. Yeah, right? true. Uh, so that's where you, you will lean on your friends a lot to like share things. Okay. But it's going to be a lot easier to find people than you think it's not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you, so did you have everything figured out before you started? You know, those two days that you it took you to get the website up, did you plan everything and then say, okay, now I'm ready to put the website up or? Uh, I spent a few hours thinking about it. Okay. Which was like, because I wanted this, because this wasn't as casual as somebody just picking one mentor sure. or one mentee. Uh, it was like, oh, I want to start almost like this new school of thought around it so obviously i had to consider things a little bit more and i had to like lay out you know what this program was about you know what people would learn uh like what the cost of it is which was it was free but you know being open about that as well as like each applicant would have a like a money pool they could use right so but if you're so but those things you don't need yeah. If you just kind of just put it out there, if you just make an Instagram post right sure. now, hey, I'm looking to mentor design, yeah. like young designers, put it out now, you'll get somebody who's going to hit you up. Sure. Like, yeah. That's if cool. not, I'll pay you $10. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that confident in that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a, I guess it's the having that, you know, that courage or confidence that, you know, you, even though you are, uh, you know, you've got some experience you can help somebody else who doesn't have that experience so you don't have to have an official title as a mentor you know you can always provide some kind of guidance to other designers mm-hmm. uh and that's exactly true right like when i started this i didn't have a big name big company name behind yeah. me right uh if you knew about concrete which was a branding studio i worked for uh, then yeah, you would have an idea of the place I worked at, uh, but most people didn't, right? So yeah. okay, um, so you so you uh, started recently at Coinbase, um, 
And before that, you were at an agency. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how that shift has been for you from going from agency to in-house? Uh, sure. Um, it might be a bit rambly here because sure. I'm still trying to process that shift, but <laughs> it is different, right? Uh, <laughs> it, it is different because at an agency, you you are uh, you're a lot more directed, right? So everything you push out, at least where I worked, was looked over by somebody who's a senior or somebody who's guiding the overall project. Yeah. Right? Uh, At Coinbase, it's a little bit different, right? Where, let's say I'm partnered with somebody, right? We do one feedback session with, like, the product owner, right? And then if it looks okay or looks good, then it just goes off, right? Like, or we make changes to it and then it goes off. Nobody does, like, a final look to it. And then, oh, no, we have to make sure everything's aligned. You very much have ownership over the project you're doing. So you have to be, uh, you know, look, examine, ex- examining things under a microscope yourself to make sure things are, uh, you know, correct. Uh, but it, it's interesting because there's pros and cons to each approach, sure. right? One is where you get a little bit more ownership over what you're doing. Yeah. Uh but at the same time, it's like it becomes harder to make sure each product is consistent because you don't have this overseeing person who looks over everything before they push it out, yeah. right? And I think at Coinbase, that's at least within the team that I'm working at, that's like my job to make sure everything is looking good before it goes out, Sure. right? But but also there's so many things that I have to be involved in. I think just that, uh, you know, if, when you're starting out, you know, maybe that's a good step to go to to take is to go through the agency where you kind of hone those skills, the fundamentals, and you build up, you really solidify that and you're you know, a designer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I would always champion going to a studio or an agency first. Okay. Uh, but d- d- determine whether or not that agency is the agency you want to work at. Okay. Uh, some agencies are just there to push out work, yeah. right? Other agencies are really good about mentoring talent. Um, and usually you can determine which one's which by the quality of the work they put out, okay. right? If everything looks really consistently top quality, they're interested in making sure, yeah, you know, even their juniors are, are hitting things a hundred percent, right? Uh, those are the places you want to work at, uh, because what you learn there is you're going to learn way more within like your four months there than your four years in school, right? Um, I can guarantee you that much or anybody that much. Um, When it comes to transitioning to then like, let's say a tech company where, you know, you're involved in more of your decisions, that agency background, is going to be so helpful because it will give you the confidence to explore things, right? Uh, To kind of push a little bit against what's being done and that's not so things get implemented yeah. right you're not there to be like the savior at yeah. that company you know it's more so you can start a conversation about some of your explorations okay right maybe this is a better path yeah yeah no definitely it's uh, because in the agency um you know whether you're competing with other designers for the design you know, for the stronger designs and so you build up those skills to to move forward 
to explore and to look at the different ways to solving a problem and then moving forward with the strongest one. And so you kind of hone those skills that you can bring into, you know, an in-house tech company and, and bring those skills with you to explore and, you know, bring the best ideas forward. Mm -hmm. And with bringing the best idea forward, there's also like a graveyard of ideas that you've made that didn't go through. Right. And if you're somebody who's never been through that, Mm. uh, having your work kind of being pushed aside, I guess can hurt people. Yeah. But because in the agency design studio world, that's so much of the process. You kind of learn to like rely on it a lot to know. Right. Yeah. If that's the thing, right? Yeah. Separating yourself from the idea, from your work. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes time. Like when you're starting out, you're so invested in it. This is your baby and you know, you mm-hmm. want to make sure that everybody loves it and mm-hmm. you get your critique or, you know, it's not accepted, then you you have to kinda of learn to get over that. You know, it's not about is you know, that people people want to move forward with mm-hmm. and and uh, you know understanding that there's a separation between the idea and you as as a designer and with that in mind as well because you've gone through so many iterations or scratch concepts you also know a good one when you see it right and that's and then you can kind of be like oh this is the one i should fight for yeah right yeah. or if it's something that may not be implemented right now, it is something you could take to somebody else later and be like, hey, I tried this hair. I think this would work really well. Who do I have a conversation about this? Like somebody who's higher up who can kind of like, I can get buy-in on this idea, yeah. right? Uh, that's that's the thing with like, uh, with tech companies where you, where that chain of command is so much higher, yeah. right? Uh, like for example, when I was working at a, uh, a branding agency it's like if i have a really cool idea and the design director likes it yeah. then we're gonna push for it sure. right and then if the client doesn't like it then that's when we pivot yeah right True. but uh, let's see. okay let's so let's talk about uh, mindsets as, as you probably experienced with your uh, students um in in super session uh what type of mindsets do, did you experience the students having as they came in and as a shift in uh, in in that that area mm-hmm. uh i would say coming into something uh be ready to shed what you've learned before right uh especially for a new project that you have because you don't know if that same framework would apply to this new one Right, because there's different goals and considerations, and they're not gonna they're not going to mold exactly to what you want. Sure. Um, so always have this mindset of like you know a, approaching a problem in a new way. Yeah. But you know, obviously, lean on your experience from the past, right? Yeah. I'm not saying like you know throw everything you know. <laughs> uh, at the same time, and this goes to any designer and goes even to me, be very craft focused. Right. So. And some designers, uh, I know within 
they're so much reliant on design systems these days to kind of do that heavy lifting for a lot of people. Uh, but that is something everybody should really focus in on, right? Uh, and that's something I talked to one of my students about a lot. Uh, and she was already, you know, amazing at this. Yeah. But it's also about like, you know, um, how how do we bring it up to the next level or what's the right approach to, right? Um, and so much of it is like, you can't really like point at it and be like, sometimes you can't, oh, this thing needs to be done better. But yeah. as, a lar- a lot, as a larger context, it's like, um, yeah, I would say those two things, like being open to like, you know, explore new ideas and like relearning things. Uh, but also, you know, being incredibly craft focused. So you're always looking to put out work that looks really strong, no matter where, no matter what it is. Right. Um, yeah. I would say those two things. Nice. Yeah. Um, I know we're coming towards the end. Um, do you have a, a book or resource in mind that you know maybe has had a big impact on your career or your the way you approach design or even uh, life. <laughs> that's that's a good question. Uh, I I don't I'm not I'm not an avid reader, so I don't have any books that point me towards the right direction. A lot of what I've learned about design and my own design philosophy has been geared by my own learning experience. But at the same time, right, most of it, most of it was learning from people who are a lot better at this than I am, right? And that's like working under them, uh, as well as like, you know, you can follow a lot of like these great designers on Twitter, right? And sometimes they have advice columns, sometimes they have a Mm. newsletter. Yeah. uh, And oftentimes they just don't take themselves too seriously Mm. on, on like social media. And I think that's important. Yeah. right like i'm not serious sure. in, in in that front right but i am like i always want to put out the best quality of work and i think that's very important at the end of the day like you're still a human being yeah and the best advice i can give anybody is to lean into what makes you yourself and bring that into your design right whenever you're designing something have a point of view that is unique to you nice yeah, I think that's really important. And in, in whatever level of a designer you are, is to bring your voice and your, uh, ex, you know, your expertise and your thought process, and you know, do things intentfully instead of just you know, moving things around. Mm-hmm. Have a reason for doing thing, do to, for making the decisions that you've made, and be a, being able to convey that back to uh you know stakeholders or your clients um you know that's a big skill as well and and also if you are working uh and you're a junior or an intern ask a lot of questions right ask them why a certain thing is done a certain way um like i don't think there's anything wrong with it like you could even be even like super granular and be like okay why does this element have eight pixel rounding rounded corners and this other one has four yeah right Good point. like because it helps you understand why those decisions were made 
yeah. there's a very like small micros that nobody really pays attention to, but but it's important to know. Yeah, it's those details that add up to the whole experience. Yeah, you know, it's uh, when when you have two different types of uh, rounded corners, then you know it kind of builds the experience that of the end user. Yeah, and um, they may not be able to can you know say what it is because they're not designers, but mm-hmm. they can get a sense of mm-hmm. you know that experience and why mm-hmm. maybe it's. Just something it feels off. Or, yeah. yeah. So like maybe one's a card and the other one conveys a button, for example, yeah. right? And yeah. it's important to like exactly kind of create that differentiation that's carried throughout the whole experience. Yeah. But yeah, it's like those small small things. Sure. Yeah, and and, and also that right, like be 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 looking at the smaller things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. It's and like really. Yeah. Exactly. Um, also, um, so how can people learn more about you? Uh, they can follow me on social media. Okay. Uh, I think that's that's where they'll they, they might learn too much about me. Unfortunate <laughs> for them, but uh, yeah, like I don't give out too much design advice on my social media. But if you want some, you could always DM me. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely there. Uh, it's at Shujat, so at symbol S H O E J A A T. I'm sure you'll put it on. Like yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. I'll add it to the notes. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. So thank you so much, uh, Shujat, for, you know, joining me today and sharing your insights and the amazing work that you've done with the Super Session. Um, I've learned a lot and, uh, you know, I've got a lot of takeaways for myself to, you know, even... You know, take the the advice that you talked about. You know, just working on your craft, and uh, I'm sure the the listeners will also uh, be able to take this important piece with them. Um, so I want to thank you for uh, coming to the show and uh, being the guest today. Uh, that it was awesome, Rizwan. Uh, just really. Uh, cool to like speak about some of the work that I've been doing lately. Helps anybody out. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. It was great to hear Shadat's story and how he saw an opportunity and jumped on it and created a program to help out other designers in the community. I think that's a great story and and it has a lot of lessons for us all. So to wrap things up. The key takeaways from our conversation were, if you see a problem, take the ownership to solve it and make it happen. As a designer, it is crucial to focus on the craft as well as the problem you are solving. And we all need to do our part in mentoring and helping those who are underprivileged and underrepresented in the design community. So I'm going to put out a challenge for myself and for you to find someone to help out. Like Shujat said, you can go on social media, share a post on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook, and let people know that you're open to helping and see what happens. See if, uh, you know, somebody responds and, you know, take it from there. I think that's a great way to take action and make a positive change in somebody's life. So I'm all excited now, and I hope you are too. You know, I think it's good that we can do 
something to help the design community and make it more diverse, inclusive, and supportive community for everyone. That's it for today's episode of Low Fidelity. I'm your host, Rizwan Javed. Till next time, stay strong.